The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 161st ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. I'm going to start off this week, or this show, with the event of the week that I attended, which was the Deutsche Bank Golf Championship uh, that I've pretty much been living at this week. Uh, it's held at the TPC Norton, which is about 20 minutes from where I live, and it's my third or fourth year in a row covering it, and it's just a fabulous way to end summer up here in uh, New England. And yesterday was the Pro-Am, which is just a fantastic event uh, every year. Uh, place was crowded, but not too crowded, as it will be starting today for the actual tournament days. Uh, it's the only tournament on the PGA calendar that ends on a Monday, which will be Labor Day. But yesterday's Pro-Am was, uh, just wonderful. Again, big names participating, such as Chris Berman, who I saw on the 18th fairway, and he enhanced his everyman status, uh, just hanging out with fans right at the ropes, taking pictures, signing autographs, just banter. Uh, you know, commenting on somebody wearing a Texas A&M shirt, uh, asking him if he was Johnny Football, uh, obviously in advance of last night's college football kickoff game, you, North South Carolina and Texas A&M. We will be getting into that later in the show. But again, Chris Berman, just the most likable guy uh, you'd ever want to find. And just again... Just hanging with the fans. It was awesome to see. He was, of course, a participant, as was uh, Mayor of New York City, Michael Bloomberg. Uh, Rob Manfred, the new commissioner of baseball, was there. Bill Scannell, who runs the tournament uh, for EMC, which is the title sponsor, was there. Uh, 
And just again, uh, terrific weather and just a terrific day. But in midday at around noontime, Rory McIlroy on one of the biggest golfing roles literally in golf history uh, gave a press conference and he's as impressive off the course as he is on the course. Uh, Sad front and center, pretty packed media tent for the press conference, needless to say. And he served notice, uh, Rory did, by saying, you know, he hasn't achieved the FedEx Cup. So he's pretty uh, pretty focused on uh, having a big weekend here to, to enhance his position of perhaps winning the FedEx Cup. Uh, you know, he did not win the Barclays last week. Uh, of course, Hunter Mahan did. Uh, but Rory likes it here. Uh, he's participated the past few years at the Deutsche Bank, and he's just a very, very likable, confident, affable guy. I mean, he was jumping around on all different types of questions and topics. From uh, uh, he met with Bill Clinton recently. Uh, talked about that. Fans asked him about Tom Brady, and uh, so he clearly was comfortable talking about that and very complimentary. Asked about playing in Boston, and he, you know, was quick to point out, you know, the awesome support he gets here and the uh, the fact of the, of course, large Irish population here in Boston. That's an understatement. Uh, Dublin. Uh, Dublin West, you might say. And uh, so he's just really, you know, enjoyable to listen to. Again, very likable. He gives thoughtful answers. Uh, You know, he's well-rounded and, you know, very conversational. And, uh, you know, I watched him on the practice screen for a while, and that was just, you know, as good as it gets. He golfed at 6.50 a.m., the early, the first one out in yesterday's Pro-Am, gives the press conference, and then off he goes to the range and the putting green. So walked out to the range and got to stand, you know, 25 feet away and just watch him pound 300-yard-plus drives. It was awesome. And then he was putting and, you know, very just kind of cozy, comfortable, nearly private atmosphere uh, especially during the pro-am, and just watching the master at work. It was just as as good as it gets. Um, walking off, he stopped, signed autographs, took pictures with a lot of kids, you know. And so my already high estimation of Rory McIlroy was enhanced by everything I saw yesterday, and I got the feeling uh, this weekend, and I'll be heading over uh, after the show uh, for the rest of the day that uh, – uh, Rory's going to uh, play well, <clears throat> make a statement, and uh, go after the FedEx that he clearly stated he would like to win. So, again, just great event, uh, great way to end summer, as I said, here in New England. Uh, for the second year now, the Tiger Woods Foundation uh, is putting on the golf tournament, uh, Tiger, they're managing it. In other words, uh, Tiger was here in Boston on uh, 
Wednesday night. So even though he's not playing, uh, his foundation does run it. So he was here. I thought that was terrific. We all know he's rehabbing from injury. Uh, and Tiger Woods Foundation does a terrific job uh, managing it, to say the least. And, you know, yesterday, again, just a nice touch with the Pro-Am. Uh, the Francis Wemet, uh organization up here that's actually located out there at uh, TPC in Norton, Massachusetts, uh, on the golf course is their office. They had uh, tons of their kids who were involved in the organization. They put on all types of events uh, for kids. They were the caddies. Uh, so it's just great to see, you know, uh, a lot of youngsters out there caddying and, and just really, uh, one of the great days of golf in new England, the pro-am. So now it's down to business. The tournament's of course underway and, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. The weather has been spectacular and as always, you know, just a lot going on here. This is a big weekend in Boston because 100,000 students move into the, all the colleges up here. Uh, Patriots just finished their preseason, so they're in the news. Red Sox, not this year, but in the past, they've often had big Labor Days, be it series with the Yankees, but nothing happening on the Red Sox front this year. But a lot of energy around Boston, New England, of course, uh, everybody's heading to Cape Cod, Nantucket, Martha's Vineyard for the weekend. Traffic's already heavy out on the roads. Um, so again, just high energy. I think you could easily make the case that the best weekend in, uh, in New England every year is Labor Day weekend. And a large part of that is due to what has now become a tradition, the Deutsche Bank Championship. It's been up here the last 10 plus years. And, uh, yeah, it's found its spot on the sports calendar, to put it mildly, and just generally the calendar of New England. So it's going to be fun. Highly recommend you tune in. It's always a boisterous, uh, knowledgeable crowd uh, turning out for the TPC. And, again, the weather looks fabulous here for the next couple of days. Monday, could final day, could be looking a little shaky like it could rain, but uh, it's New England. Too early to tell. So, with that said, let me move into my highlight of the week, which was the real football finally starting last night. Uh, couldn't happen soon enough, and oh boy, did we get quite the game with uh, Kenny Football, Kenny Hill, new quarterback at Texas A&M, succeeding Johnny Football, breaking. Johnny Manziel's records and a whole lot of others as they just trounced South Carolina in Columbia. So that was a, a bit of a shocker. Scored over 50 points, threw for over 500 yards. It was just amazing to watch. Other marquee game was uh, Ole Miss uh, pulling away in the second half from Boise State. So we had some real good games and uh, we're underway. What can you say? Tomorrow, I'll be up bright and early to watch uh, Central Florida and Penn State in Dublin. As you listeners know, I was just there a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was there when Rory McIlroy took control of the Open Championship uh, over in nearby Liverpool, as in nearby Dublin. So that was awesome. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait to watch 
uh, football from Dublin tomorrow morning, and then all the other games are going to be great, too. But we'll get into that a little later with A.P. Stedham. My low light of the week was the Patriots trading away Logan Mankins. Uh, everybody who's ever covered the Patriots, including myself, loves Logan Mankins. Always a great guy to deal with in the locker room and press conferences and just really, uh, you, you know, good guy all around. And uh, Patriots do okay year in, year out. No complaints there. They're always in the hunt. That's all you can ask for as a sports fan or, in my case, as a season ticket holder as well. But... Uh, my problem with it is very simple. You know, it's a total win now attitude with Tom Brady, the clock ticking, few years left, and, you know, letting all pro guards go by a trade or whatever. And granted, it looks like this tight end could be good. Uh, but still, sad to see Logan Mankins go. He was really, uh, you know, just uh, one of the pillars of the team. My bizarre story of the week was. Josh Shaw of USC, I mean, this is Manti Teo level type stuff, like you can't make this stuff up. Uh, then it got even crazier yesterday with the uh, former player accusing Coach Steve Sarkeesian of racism. Uh, crazy. Bizarre. Uh, it needs no explanation for anybody who's been following this story. Uh, it's, it's one of the more bizarre stories of the year. And what it will do to the USC program remains to be seen. They're going to be up here playing Boston College in, hard to believe, two weeks from tomorrow. I'm anticipating that I may go to that game, so it'll be interesting to see the impact that has. And I believe they play Stanford before then. So we shall see, but uh, certainly Trojans cannot be happy about uh, this situation happening you know, as, as the season begins. So now, as my former co-host, Lee Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The Sports Girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. It's beautiful weather here today. Looking forward to this evening uh, going to a game. And what game are you going to? Oh, I'm, first time I'll be seeing Brigham Young University, and it's the opening for UConn's new football coach, Bob Diaco. So I'm really excited. It's going to be great. Brigham Young, that's a big name. Uh, you know, and again, you said perfect weather. It's really like football weather. It's already in the air. And uh, Brigham Young is... Uh, I love their coach's name, Bronco Mendenhall. It's a throwback name to like the days of Bronco Nagurski. But I think you're going to see a great game. Uh, and, you know, that's just going to be a lot of fun for you. Um, you know, it's a real game. You know, just seeing it last night start was uh, exciting. But, uh, yeah, can't wait to see, you know, if there's a big crowd, as I talked about in the first segment, it's the beginning of Labor Day weekend. And, uh you got a lot going on down there in Connecticut. I uh, see where Shanae Agumake was named the Rookie of the Year from the. She's a Connecticut Sun. She was the WNBA Rookie of the Year, and also Waterford, Connecticut. I was hearing sent two teams to their respective nat- World, you know, National World Series games. Thirteen-year-old uh, and fifteen-year-old. Uh, so yeah, Connecticut. Sports capital of New England for the present time. <laughs> yeah, there's always a lot of activity around here, believe it or not, John, especially in these last few few decades with, uh, you know, the WNBA being here and, of course, UConn Sports and and some of the, you know, younger kids are participating. And, and there was also an American Legion team, local American Legion team was down at the National uh, World Series. Really? Yeah, they did. Yeah, sure did. The next town over, Cromwell. Cromwell. Wow. I did not realize that. Um, yeah, well, geez, so you got some baseball things going on. That's three Connecticut towns at least making it to the, you know, 
national level of their World Series uh, for the summer, which is great. I mean, we all love the Little League World Series and saw the type of, you know, visibility that got, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, as it does every year. But there's a lot of other youth baseball leagues going on at the same time that don't quite get the coverage, but Connecticut's a player, obviously, on the national level. Yeah, they, they've always, uh, you know, they've always liked baseball here in the summertime. I mean, they can't play it all year round like they do in the South and the West. Right. But exactly. they've always had some players come out of this area and had some success on the major league level and, and in college as well. No doubt about it. Uh, well, we are underway with college football, so we have to jump right into it. SEC, your domain. Uh, Quite a game last night, huh? I mean, I don't think anybody saw that coming, especially because I went out of my way and I taped and then watched live the Steve Spurrier SEC Network show, which, you know, I've always liked Spurrier, fascinating guy. He, you know, he's what we in the media love. He makes life more interesting. And uh, boy, I was just, after watching that show Wednesday night uh, and then watching the game last night and looking at him just... He had no answers, and boy, he usually has answers, but there were none last night. No, no, John. I think who would have ever thought this young player from Texas A&M would would be there, you know, sophomore, start on national television on the road against a strong SEC opponent, favorite to win the Eastern Division. He sets a record right out of the blocks. 500-plus yards passing, right? 511, I believe it was. 511. And, you know, know, John, he played at a big-time program at South Lake in Texas. Oh, I know South Lake. I didn't know he was from there. A number of other players. I mean, you're familiar with that program. So, you know, he's been under pressure at the high school level in Texas, which is significant. But no one could ever have, in their wildest dreams, foreseen such a magnificent performance. And, John, I don't know about you, but I didn't hear anybody that said Texas A&M was going to win that game. Nobody. Absolutely not. And, you know, you tune into that game, which was at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And, you know, again, it's the first real college football game of, you know, big names. And that crowd was revved up, going crazy with that song and waving those white towels. I mean, it was quite a scene, exactly what you expect from an SEC game and, you know, what better way to, like, you know, immerse yourself immediately into football than a game like that. And they just took the ball, went right down the field on the opening drive. And basically what's stunning about it is is that, you know, as the game wore on, like South Carolina defense had zero chance of stopping them whatsoever. <laughs> they were toying with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bizarre. It really I mean, that way, John. It was like they were at the mercy of Texas A&M either throwing a bad pass or the receiver dropping the ball. Exactly, exactly. And right when there was just the slightest glimmer of hope where they actually stopped, it felt like the only time of the game, and certainly the second half. And, you know, SC, USC had just scored a touchdown. They held them. They were going down the field, and you're starting to think, well, you know, maybe it's, it might not be over yet. And then he threw that interception, and, the, and that obviously sealed the fate. They took it right back down the field again, 
the next thing you know, it's the, they're into the fifties, and it's just people are leaving the stadium, and right. a, a real shocker, or quite a way to begin the college football thing, season. I wonder if it's going to be like a you yeah, know, a harbinger yeah, of things to come. Yeah, John. You know, when you watch these first games, I've learned through the years that I'm not sure now is Texas A&M a sleeper team or is South Carolina not the real deal? And I don't know if we'll we'll completely be aware of that answer fully until maybe halfway through the season. But you're always going to learn something from from these wins and losses. But you won't know the full story until you get about halfway through the season and they, they compete against other opponents. But one other thing I wanted to point out to people, let's set aside this issue of quarterbacks needing all this time to be in a system and get prepared. Here's this young player, a sophomore, you know, played slightly a little bit last year, but I mean, he looked as good as anybody could. So when you hear these people talking about quarterbacks having to adjust to the system, not Kenny Hill. Not Kenny Hill at all. And they interviewed his father during the game, who I guess was a former baseball player. And, you know, his father was like uh, a no-nonsense guy would be the best way I could put it. Uh, I really enjoyed listening to him and, you know, like father, like son. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there was just, again, another thing that, you know, it shows how basically worthless preseason polls are. When they flashed up those AP preseason polls at the end of the game, South Carolina number nine, uh, Texas A&M, I think around 18 in the high teens or whatever, you know, it, it, the way, the timing of what they did it. And then you're looking at a score that reads something like 52 to 21 or whatever. And the timing of it just really struck me like how worthless these preseason polls are, especially this year. When we're finally not going to have the first poll that really matters, which is the college football playoff poll until October, many people have pushed for that over the years. You know, it's, it's, you really shouldn't have a poll before October, but, you know, obviously it's never been that way and it's never going to be that way. But uh, I, I, I thought last night just really showed it, uh, you, you know, in as good a way as you can show it, you know, number nine, South Carolina number 18 or whatever, Texas A&M, and the score being like 52-21 in Columbia. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it just really struck me. Uh, <laughs> I will say this for Spurrier, though. You know, I, I did love his, you know, he owned it like no coaches owned it. I mean, he just repeatedly said in his post-game press conference how he was complimentary to Texas A&M, and I thought that's exactly what he needed to be. It, because last night was about Texas A&M, much more so than, in my mind, South Carolina. It's, you know, it's always a question: Did Texas A&M win it, or did South Carolina lose it? You know, and that applies to every game. But last night was, to me, clearly Texas A&M won it. Yeah, John. I mean, Steve Spur, he owned it like nobody's business. Um, I he mean, did. he actually said. If we play him again, we'd be a three-touchdown underdog. <laughs> exactly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what coaches would make that statement? Exactly. He, he, he's the only coach who would make it, and, and he can get away with it. He has the stature to do it. And, again, I was just glad to see him do it because anybody who watched that game, that's, in my mind, the conclusion you come away with. I mean, even 
hardcore South Carolina fans, I think you had to walk away from that game not so much bothered by U.S. South Carolina's play as much as beyond impressed with Texas A&M's play. And one thing, by the way, you know, that was sticking in the back of my mind was I go to the U.S. Army All-American Bowl every year in San Antonio, the high school all-star game, and I'll never forget in the last couple of years with the Johnny Manziel factor, how when I get down there in the heart of Texas, you know, day or two after Christmas, seeing all these recruits that go into Texas A&M, not Texas, and that was a huge, huge buzz the past two years. And all of a sudden, the very names that I was hearing, and we're talking top 10 recruits in the nation, uh, like that receiver for uh, Texas A&M who looked like he belonged in the NFL. Um, you know, they're all going to Texas A&M. And, uh, so I wasn't shocked. I mean, that, that suddenly was, I'm hearing names that I was hearing a year or two ago about high school kids. And there's just showing up big time on national TV last night. So pretty interesting, to say the least. John, I mean, there's already stories surfacing Kenny Hill on the Heisman radar. Really? Already. I mean, and if you think about it, John, if you recall last year, Jameis Winston made his debut, I think it was Labor Day Monday night. Correct. Against Pittsburgh. He yeah. had a fantastic game. So it's not without uh, precedent. Correct. And, you know, the only difference would be that, you know, I think Jameis – like, I didn't know much about him, if anything, until that night. But, you know, clearly he had, you know, a lot of people did know about him. I think more than Kenny Hill. But, you know, Kenny Hill, why would you know about him? Because it's been nothing but Johnny Manziel for two straight years there. And then all of a sudden he just shows up. And, I mean, he put on a show. Uh, it was awesome, to say the least. Uh, so... Why don't we, um, we have a lot more college football and beyond to discuss, so why don't we take our break now and uh, we'll cover some of the other games on the other side. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us still is our weekly expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we're already talking college football that's been played last night, and uh, we both watched uh, the really the other headline game from last night, which was down in Atlanta at the Georgia Dome. Uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi, uh, beating Boise State. They didn't pull away to the second half. It was pretty competitive then. Uh, but, yeah, that was a great game. I mean, Ole Miss is uh, – that quarterback for Ole Miss is uh, fun to watch. And he he certainly, you know, exerted himself in the uh, – exerted his influence in the second half, I thought. Yeah, John, Bo Wallace, he's being counted on to lead Ole Miss to a better record this season and contend for the SEC West. He had some difficulties in that first half. He made it exciting for the Boise State fans, giving the ball away three times. He so, did. But, you know, <laughs> you know, you don't want to see that happen very often because you won't last very long uh, as the starter in the SEC if you continue with three first-half interceptions every game. But you can tell that Ole Miss has recruited some outstanding athletes, especially at the wide receiver position. Tall, long-legged um, wide receivers really can uh, make some ground after the reception. And, and Ole Miss, you know, their coach is an offensive-oriented uh, person, so you know they're going to be dangerous every time they take the field and they can score a lot of points. Where Ole Miss has got to, uh, you know, shine, of course, is defensively. That you know, that's always my thing. If you can play defense then you're always in the game. And, you know, when you're an offensive coach, you should be able to find ways to, to get into the end zone. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, their defensive line is considered one of the best in the country. They had the number one recruit from high school a couple years back. And they've had a couple good recruiting classes, uh, Coach U Freeze. Uh, but what's his uh, – Robert Ndichie, I think his name is. Robert uh, Kim Dietschy. Yeah, you said it better than I did, John. It's a tough one. I, I hesitated, but I figured go for it. And uh, I'll tell you one thing they got to work on. I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen it quite so prevalent was, uh, you know, the, the motion penalties on offense. I mean, I, was it, am I correct in thinking there was like eight? 
Yeah, I think it's some ridiculous number, maybe like five in the first quarter or something. Exactly, exactly. Two in a row to begin the game, basically. Uh, it was like the theater of the absurd. I'm sure you Freeze was just going crazy. <laughs> right. How could you not? I, I mean, it's the coach's worst nightmare to have, you know, that stuff down, even though it's the first game. You, you just can't have that. But, you know, they did overcome, you know, and... It was, you know, it's fun to watch Boise State. I mean, the best thing you can say about Boise State is, you know, a guy like me or a guy like you, basically, you know, if Boise State's on in a game like that, and it's usually that's when they're on, when they're playing at, you know, a big name, a recognizable name like Ole Miss, you tune in, you know, you just do, you know, they're going to, you know, be competitive, and they were, Um but they had problems, you know, with all their turnovers, to say the least. I, I think the quarterback threw a number of interceptions, to say the least. So, uh, so Ole Miss, you know, again, pulling away from Boise State in the second half to win pretty handily tells me that, you know, Ole Miss is probably going to be pretty good. They, they, they could uh, be a team to be reckoned with in the SEC West this year. Yeah, I think, John, that that SEC West this year, maybe it's as good as it's ever been competitively from top to bottom. I, I mean, right. Arkansas, you know, didn't win a game last year. You know, that's not going to happen this year in the second year under Brett Billima. So, and you saw Ole Miss, you know, they're they're on uh, on track to be an improved program. And Mississippi State's got a good quarterback. LSU, they're always talented. Uh, Auburn. Defending uh, SEC champion uh, Texas A&M, you know, thrash the SEC Eastern Division favorite, and then you have Alabama. I mean, what easy game is there in that division? Is Missouri in the SEC West or East? They're in the East, John. Oh, that, that seems kind of weird since they're out west. But yeah, they they had to put them over on that game. side because A&M, of course, is on the west side, so. There wasn't much they can do. Uh, they had to put uh, Missouri on that other right. side. Not exactly geographic, but we we all get the picture. That's right. Of course, Missouri played Auburn in the SEC championship game last year, so of course they had to be from the east. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm telling you that that SEC West, if you can survive, and I use that word, you know, specifically, you're you're, you're a good football team. Absolutely. That's just. Uh, just to hear you name those teams like that is remarkable. Um, and, you know, LSU, I mean, they're always good. And last year they had, you know, really the worst year in a while. So you just have to assume they're going to bounce back um, given their recent history. So, uh, wow, that's just going to be unbelievable. You're right. That's going to be uh Every week, and that's hey, that's why we have the SEC network because every game <laughs> feels and looks like a big game, and in fact, is a big game. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, John, the LSU every year, what makes them so good, I believe, is up front on the right. offense and defensive lines. They always have all star talent, they do, they always have, you know, and, 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 and you know, John, and that's not even counting just the, the, the um, receivers and running backs. Galore and the defensive backs and linebackers. I mean, they're just so good up front, and that's where those football games, many of them are won. Practically all football games are won up front to begin with. You have to 
you know, stop them from trampling your quarterback, and and you have to stop the other team from running you over like a, like a Mack truck. Absolutely, absolutely. And they also tend to have uh, great receivers, and you know, good good defensive backfield as well. I mean, you know, they have a lot of guys who play on Sundays. What else can you say? Oh my goodness, yeah, they they sure do. An excellent, you know, excellent recruiter, and they and they develop their talent. You know, I would yes. like to, you know, add that part of the equation because a lot of coaches they can recruit the talent, but they they don't develop the talent. Yeah, I mean they are you know in the truest sense of the word you know a football program who just again year in year out you know is competitive often for the national championship and that's why again you know they did not reach the lofty standards last year that we're used to seeing and I got the feeling. That's stuck in their craw, <laughs> in their crawfish, to use a Louisiana term, <laughs> right, for a lot yeah. of months now, and yeah. just less miles, and I just think they're going to, uh, <laughs> you know, they're going to be out to make a statement this year. I really yeah, yeah I think, John, the, the huge question mark is the quarterback position. Correct. So Absolutely. Then, you know, Zach Mettenberger's gone. You, You're right. You know, you know when, they're, when they're in a tight ball game, and, or that they have someone that's going to... Uh, man the position they can lead them on a last minute drive or or play on the road and and be accurate and show the poise with a hostile crowd uh, in the stadium yeah well they're uh exactly they're um you know they know big time games probably as much as just about any team in the uh, country this side of alabama Partly because they play Alabama in national championship level games frequently. Uh, what do you know? Who is the quarterback, or what do you know about their quarterback situation for LSU? Yeah, I'm not too familiar with the names, John, but I know they're they're young players that don't have much experience. You know, Zach Mittenberg was there last year, so it, it'll be. And that's not saying that they can't be successful because we've seen that in the past. You know, in that division, quarterbacks playing their first year. We saw it last night, a record-setting moment. But, right. it, you know, they're going to have to show themselves, and, and until they perform under the pressure, uh, there are going to be some skeptics about LSU. Oh, exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, quarterback has not typically been their strong suit. Uh, you, you know, there many of them are serviceable, but, you know, these are not guys... G- that you're necessarily going to see play on Sunday. Although Zach Mettenberger's, speaking of him, is is uh, has the look of an NFL quarterback based on what we've seen in the preseason. So, uh, but typically that's not their strong suit, shall we say? Right, right. They haven't had, you know, uh, let's say an NFL uh, starter uh, at the quarterback position you know, with Jamarcus Russell, and uh, after that, it's it's been a while. Exactly right. That, that's exactly my point. But uh, all right, well, AP, we still have a lot more to cover. Uh, but why don't we take our break now and we'll talk a little more football on the other side. internet flagship station for sports 
Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is still A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And before we pick it back up again, I want to say that my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is really two things. Deutsche Bank, golf tournament, of course, and college football. It's going to be great. Starting (laughs) with uh, Central Florida, Dublin, 8.30 a.m. tomorrow, Eastern Time. I'll certainly be awake for that one. And can't wait to have morning coffee and watch some game, uh, watch a little football from uh from dublin it's going to be awesome um but we still have some games to cover from last night and ap there was uh, a couple of other good games where we had uh rutgers beating uh washington state mike leach's team out there and uh we also had vanderbilt losing big at home in their season opener yeah, John, uh, Rutgers went on the road. This is their first year with, in the Big Ten, and they had a double-digit lead and then lost it and then came back to win. I think it was around the five-minute five mark or so. There was a fumbled punt. Uh, Washington State had fumbled, and Rutgers recovered and drove the field for a game-winning score and held on for a 41-38 victory. So and that's a nice way to jump into a new conference and you, you're defeating a team from the other Power Five conference. And Absolutely. Well, as listeners of the show may recall, uh, we had Mike Leach, the coach of Washington State, on the show a while back. And uh, fascinating guy. We all remember his, uh, his offense down there at Texas Tech. And uh, so I was just glad to see him on the screen last night, coaching again. Uh, a fascinating individual and certainly an offensive guru by any standard. Again, they may have lost the game, but they did uh, put up 38 points. No surprise there. And So what happened down in Nashville? Yeah, John, I mean, 
the the assistant coach who was a defense coordinator at Stanford. That's his forte. That Temple ran all over him at thirty-seven to seven, and and that was not the way you want to make your debut in, in the SEC. And you're coming off a, a successful, you know, prior position with the Stanford Cardinal as a defensive coordinator. So if, if Temple can put thirty-seven on you at home. I don't know about these other teams in the SEC. They must be licking their chops. Yeah, yeah, that that is surprising. Again, that crowd was pretty revved up, although I think they had some weather problems that may have diluted uh, both the size of the crowd and maybe the enthusiasm a little bit. It didn't start till close to 11 o'clock Eastern time. Um, but nonetheless, that's unexpected. But, hey, you know, good for the American Athletic Conference, right, that, you know, we both cover. Yeah, they've got to be excited to have, to have that win against another Power Five team. And uh, you know, anytime you can go on the road and win in college football, especially against a Power Five conference, that's that's a great great victory for your team and your program. Absolutely. Um, well, a lot of big games coming up as well this weekend. Uh, you know, I've touched on Central Florida, Penn State from Dublin, but let's start with the the one that's near and dear to your heart, of course, West Virginia, Alabama. That should be a good one. Yeah, John, believe it or not, in that game, Alabama is a 27-point favorite. I mean, West Virginia is coming off a 4-8 and eight season, and so they're looking for a big turnaround. Uh, believe it or not, John, for those folks who are not – familiar with the quarterbacks that might be playing this game. Uh, they both had played at Florida State and had transferred. Uh, one is Clint Tr- uh, Trickett. His daddy, uh, Rick, was the offensive line coach at uh, Florida State currently, I believe, or defensive line coach. He's the line coach. I forgot which side of the ball at the moment. But Clint played at Florida State, and so did Jacob Coker, who's uh, transferred to Alabama. The word I'm hearing at the moment is Blake Sims will be the starter for Alabama. He's been there. He, he's a running back athlete type that had played quarterback some in high school, and uh, he, he played that position at Alabama as well as a backup to, to um, A.J. McCarron last year. So he'll get the start, I believe, in the first half. You'll see Jacob Coker. Maybe they'll get equal reps, try to get equal reps, and that, that uh, competition might continue for the next two, uh, two or three games before they play Florida. But, uh, John, here's something I learned this week. I spoke to somebody who played at Florida State in the past, and believe it or not, John, they caught passes from Christian Ponder, E.J. Manuel, Jameis Winston, Clint Trickett, and uh, Jacob Coker. And I said, which one was the most accurate? And this person told me that uh, Clint and Jacob were the two most accurate out of those five. Oh, my gosh. That's good stuff. That's why we love to have you on the show. You can't get that anywhere else. But I got to tell you, AP, I am shocked. I just thought from the moment you first ever brought up Jacob Coker on this show a while back before anybody else was talking about him, I just assumed he was the starter. So I'm shocked that he is not starting tomorrow. I think so, too, John, because if when you're at Florida State and you sat behind E.J. Manuel and then you, you you came within an eyelash of beating out Jameis uh, Winston. And uh, we had had this conversation before. I spoke to Jameis right. myself, and he said he put his forefinger and his thumb together real close and said, uh, 
Clint, I mean, uh, Jacob almost beat me out by that much. And then Jimbo Salem confirmed that to me at the NFL draft. So for him not to be the starter, uh, it is surprising. But I think down the road he'll, he'll get the nod eventually and he'll, he'll be the starter. That's what I believe. Wow, that is fascinating. I did not know that. Did Saban announce this recently or is this just something Well, he, he really up? hasn't announced it, John. He just kind of hinted, so. hinted that fact. And, okay, uh, but with your contacts down there, you've that that's the conclusion you've drawn. Yeah, that's the conclusion I've drawn. I you know could be surprised, but that's what I believe will happen tomorrow. And you know, John, I think that there's a possibility that you know Blake has been there so many years, and the locker room might be behind him. And, Correct. You know, maybe Saban, Nick Saban wants to keep that locker room pretty tight at the moment until Jacob has a chance to be in a game situation, perform very well, and then it's clear to everyone that he should be the starter. Right, and there's a part of me, I guess my first thought, given all of our conversation about Jacob Coker, is almost whether or not uh, it's a little bit ceremonial. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, knowing what I know of Nick Saban, I wouldn't attach the word sentimental <laughs> as much as just, you know, yeah. maybe this guy has just put in his time you know, behind A.J. McCarron, and maybe Saban just thinks, you know, he deserves to start, you know, the first game of his, you know, I assume he's a senior, right? Uh, uh, Yeah, Blake's a senior, yes, he is, right. Right, exactly. So I I wouldn't be surprised if that might be the case. But uh, anyway, that'll be great. It's from the Georgia Dome. Um, And by the way, speaking of the Georgia Dome, I was a little surprised that, the entire upper deck last night seemed to be empty at the Boise State Ole Miss game. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I realize, you know, Boise State's a long way away. It's the Friday, Thursday of Labor Day weekend. And Ole Miss is close, but not exactly next door. But nonetheless, I think when I watch any SEC games, I just assume, you know, a full house. So I was just a little surprised by that. You know, John, I was myself when I looked at that that crowd in the upper level, it was, it was like a, a, you know, somebody abandoned the place up there and uh, you didn't <laughs> sitting there. I, I was kind of mystified myself, but I started to think thought, about it and I said, well, how many people can Boise bring? Can they bring 10,000, 15? And then the rest, you know, you have to, has to be, have to be interested in watching the game, you know, some of the locals and it's a big weekend with the other game on Saturday and, so, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, the uh, attendance was listed, but I was I was surprised. Yeah, how far a drive would Oxford, where Ole Miss is located, be from Atlanta? You you know the South pretty well. Yeah, that'd be uh, I'd say in the three hundred mile range, something like oh. that, John. Oh wow! So we're talking uh, a solid five six hour drive. Yeah, I think so. In that range, okay. you got to meander kind of over that way. Yeah, that's not a day trip. Uh, by any means um it reminded me ap of like and i'm not being critical here you know i obviously like the sec but my first thought when i saw it was like you know when you see these high school state championships played in these nfl stadiums like i do at gillette stadium for the massachusetts you know where you basically have you know it's only lower deck only everybody's kind of centered around the 50 and it was more than that last night but nonetheless that was my first thought was it looked like a high school uh, state championship game. Um, 
Anyway, AP, lots of other good games this weekend, but unfortunately, we're uh, you know we're at the end of the show, and uh, we both agree on one thing: it's uh, good to have football back. That's for sure. Oh yeah, you can turn in, and you're going to see a lot of good games. Everybody's healthy at this moment, a lot of optimism, and many good matchups, and you know LSU, Wisconsin among them, and uh, so you turn on your TV and have some fun. Exactly. Well, thank you, as always, for your perspective. Enjoy the Brigham Young-UConn game tonight. And Voice America, thank you all for listening. We look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.